0: Well, good evening, everyone. Um, As I said, my name's Garth, and I'm married to the amazing Samantha, and we serve on the leadership team here. If you're here for the first time, we'd love to give you a little bit of information about ourselves, so you can head on to the involvement desk and uh, grab a little pamphlet that we can give to you. And if you're watching online at home, we'd also love to give you a bit of information about ourselves, so you can look in the comment section, and there'll be a little PDF that you can download there. And please come and say hi to us after the meeting, any of the leaders up front here, we'd love to get to know you and and chat to you. And then just a reminder, if you'd love to uh, give towards or contribute towards what God is doing in us and through us as a community, as we uh, look to proclaim the gospel, advance the gospel into the city and fight injustices in the city, you can get our EFT details on our website if you want them. And then just a little family moment to let you know. So next week, Sunday, we're going to be having a moment where we're going to be ordaining a whole lot of deacons onto our deacons team. It is super, super exciting to see who God's raising up in our community to step into uh, being deacons and deaconesses. So there's some faces on the screen. We can scroll through them. And uh, you'll see some faces there. If you recognize any of those faces, you like, yay. But what we wanted to know is, is that if there's any faces there where you're like, no, <laughs> um, and uh, you think that, hey, those people stepping onto that deacons team, it might not be great uh, with regards to their character. We'd love you to move towards us. We'd love you to move towards us and to come speak to us. We're looking for a biblical reason, not because of anything that they um, uh, wear or do that you don't like or anything like that, Um, but for a biblical reason that you say, hey, actually their character wouldn't match up to that, so we're going to be doing that next week, so this is just a little bit of a check-in time for us as a community. Cool, with that, we're going to go into the message, we've got Caleb and Kathleen with us all the way from the morning, all the way from the AM, it is great to have you guys with us, and we're excited for you guys to bring the word to us, Um, so Caleb, come on up and bring it to us, man, let's encourage him.
1: Thanks, Garth. Wow, echoey, be beautiful. Love it. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. I can't say evening because it kind of feels like we're just not there yet. Seapoint's still calling our name. You can't go, but not right now. It's uh, really good to be with you guys this afternoon. Um, as Garth mentioned, my name's Caleb. I'm married to Kathleen. Uh, she, Kathleen's a teacher, grade six in Durbanville. I uh, run a business uh, doing kind of leadership and culture development with organizations. And I'm really excited to be sharing God's word with us this afternoon. I need to keep you need to remind me not to say morning. I'm so used to speaking to the morning. You're gonna catch me. I'm telling you, but don't tell my mom. All right, let's keep going. So Monday to Friday, I told you what I do. Um, but actually, as we were worshiping, I I just wanted to uh, share something that isn't planned necessarily. Um, just a bit of background, Kathleen and I are off to the United States in January. It's um, in the beginning of 2019, we felt God put on our heart to go to America and kind of explore what it might look like to do ministry there, and so we've been praying and really trusting God, and, and slowly the doors have been opening, and so in January, we actually do to go to Washington, D.C. I'm going to volunteer for a church full-time. Um, Kathleen is going to study her master's in special needs education. she got like amazing uh, scholarship, um, but Actually, we're supposed to be there already. We, 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 we were supposed to be there in August. And COVID has just delayed us and delayed us. We got our visas. Um, and the problem has been that Kathleen's studies has been 100% online. And, and the regulations has been that you can't enter the country if the studies are 100% online. And so we thought now January things were going to change. Um, and the reality was... We got word from the university to say, the good news is we're going hybrid, you know, online, in person. The bad news is that the education faculty is the only one that stays 100% online. So this was a few weeks ago. So we just were in a low point, and, and we shared it with the eldership team in Bosch A.M., and we just really were struggling kind of on our knees in prayer, just feeling hopeless and, and faithless. It's been such a, a roller coaster of uncertainty. And on Tuesday, we just got this random email from the university to say they'd made a way, they found a way. And the door opened and Kathleen was able to register this week and we booked our flights and we leave on the 2nd of January. So really it's amazing news. But I'm actually telling you that partly so you get to know me a bit, but also partly because as we were singing um, this morning in Bosch AMI, I actually had a sense that there's maybe a number of people here that are busy fighting uh, prayer battles. Uh, Maybe you can resonate with being on your knees and trusting God for a miracle in your life. Uh, maybe it's for financial breakthrough, maybe it's for health, uh, maybe it's a relational breakthrough, or maybe it's even just spiritual. And, and to be honest, you're, you're feeling hopeless at the moment and you're feeling weak. And I, I said to God, would it be okay if I just actually start by praying for those of you that just need fresh strength and hope? Um, as you pray on your knees and trust God for a miracle. And so that's what I want to do. I want to invite you right now. Could you close your eyes for a moment for, for those of you that, that are in that space? And, I mean, you know who you are. It's maybe not everyone. But if you're in that space of just, you know, you are fighting in prayer for a breakthrough and for a miracle, I want to just pray that God would give you fresh hope and strength to continue trusting Him. And so, Father, I just, I bring your church before you this morning. God, you know the hearts of everyone in this room. You know what every person is dealing with. You know the struggles. Father, you know the challenges and you know the prayers that we are praying. And I just want to lift up anyone here that is just busy fighting a prayer battle, but that feels hopeless, that feels tired, that's questioning whether you're even hearing their prayers. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, won't you come right now And just give us fresh strength. Give us fresh hope. As we wait on you right now. For those that are, are feeling weak. Those that are fighting these prayer battles. Won't you come and minister. A fresh wellspring of strength. And of faith and of hope. We ask you to do that right now Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. So last thing worth mentioning. You'll notice this little brown thing on my lip. This is Movember, and yes, it did take me the whole year to grow this, in case you're wondering. Um, It is an accomplishment. It's a bit of a spiritual discipline, Um, but I want to say thank you for noticing it. Thank you for noticing it. Those of you that saw me around and said, "Ooh, look at that guy's tash. Anyway. Okay, so let me dive into today. Let me dive in. I'm getting very distracted. All right, so today is a very exciting day. We're we're actually landing a journey. You would know that in 2020, we've been journeying through the gospel of Mark. All right, we've been moving through chapters 1 to 8. And really, my hope today is to wrap up the journey for us. I want to kind of take all the pieces of 2020 and tie them together as we come to the end of this first part of the journey for 2020. You see, from verse 1 of chapter 1, Mark's main aim of his gospel has really been to answer one simple question. And that question is, who is Jesus? And, and the truth is, this is the most foundational question we could ask. It's the it's type of question that when you get right, leads to life and to joy and to peace and to deep fulfillment. Some of you here know what I'm speaking about. At the same time, it's also the type of question that when we get wrong, leads possibly to building your whole life on the wrong foundation. Maybe take a moment to think about what, what's the most foundational question in your life? What do you kind of wake up asking? Am I happy? Am I a good person? Am I wealthy? Am I popular? Am I good looking? Am I living with purpose? Am I smart? What, what's your foundational question I want to put it to you today that no matter who you are and no matter what you believe the question of who Jesus is 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 the most important question you'll ever ask C.S. Lewis who's uh, best known for writing the chronicles of Narnia who by the way was also actually an atheist throughout his 20s and then um, decided to follow Jesus later in his life he said it this way he said Christianity if false is of no importance But if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Some of you might be here today or, or joining us online, and you've been asking this question of who Jesus really is and just to say, we're so glad that you've decided to lean in today and join us. And, and really, I want to encourage you on your journey. I want to encourage you, if you're asking that question, I want to encourage you, ask lots of questions. Check out our life group during the week. Join us on Sundays. Why don't you even try the Ignite booklet? It's a 31-day a journey for those exploring faith in Jesus. You can get a physical copy here at the involvement desk. You can get um, a PDF version online. It's our gift to you. But really, I want to encourage you, take steps forward on your journey because I believe you're asking the most important question of your life so far. See, the question of who Jesus is is actually also a big question in our culture today. And you'd probably know the the perspectives and opinions, they vary quite a bit. Some say Jesus was this guy who brought about social change. Others say he was kind of like a, a leader, Or a moral teacher. Some say Jesus was a a prophet who points to like another deity. And still others believe he was just some crazy dude who managed to kind of pull off a few miracles on the side. Well, the good news is that our passage today in Mark 8 reveals the truth about who Jesus is. You see, up to this point in Mark's gospel, no one has actually recognized who Jesus truly is. But today... Everything changes. Today, the mystery is revealed. Today, Jesus opens his disciples' eyes for the very first time so that they can see him for who he truly is, the Messiah, the anointed one that has come to save the world. And really, this is the big idea of our passage today. And it's my big idea for us this afternoon slash evening. This big idea that Jesus wants to and He can open our eyes. He can open our eyes to see Him for who He truly is, to see Him as Messiah. And so no three points today, just one big idea, that Jesus wants to show us this evening, afternoon, who He really is. And, and maybe for some of us, it's for the first time. Because if we're honest, we've never really known who Jesus is and what He's actually about. We've heard lots. But we don't know for sure. Maybe for others, it's actually a matter of blurry vision becoming clear again because you've lost sight of Jesus as Savior. You've lost sight of the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. And as you sit here or as you listen at home, there's a a sense that you feel tied down by the chains of guilt and shame. Or maybe for some of us, it's just a matter of seeing this truth freshly today because we know Jesus as Messiah We know he's the one that saves. And so what we need is fresh awe and wonder. Well, Jesus wants to open our eyes. And today we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 30. You can open your Bibles. and, And our text actually includes kind of two powerful mini stories that both point to this one truth, that Jesus opens our eyes to see him for who he truly is. I'm going to invite my lovely wife to come up, and she's going to read our text, starting in verse 22. All
2: right, I'll be reading from Mark 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him.
1: Yes, there I am. See, the, the entire gospel of Mark up to this point pivots on our passage today. Everything that has happened in the book so far, everything we've discussed Sunday after Sunday has brought us to this point. Re- remember, Mark opens his gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, with his claim of who Jesus is. Remember, he writes this. He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then for the rest of his account, he shows us why his claim is true. He, he proves his thesis chapter by chapter and story by story. And today, before we unpack our kind of two mini stories, which really are the culmination of this first part of our journey, I want to take us through the highlights of the story so far. A whirlwind tour of the first eight chapters of Mark's gospel. So you can see how he builds his case and brings us to this point. And so jumping back to chapter one, I'm going to move quickly through this. But in in chapter one, in the first few verses, you see Mark says that there's going to be this messenger. This promised messenger that's going to come and prepare the way for the Messiah. And when you read on, you'll see this is John the Baptist. And so the messenger is a sign. When Jesus... Moves on from there, he gets baptized, and and the heavens open, and a voice declares from heaven, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so we see affirmation from God himself. He then calls his disciples, and he says, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so we see not just affirmation from God, but also affirmation from the people. He then teaches in the synagogues and, and as he finishes teaching, um, you'll often read this. It says, and the people were astonished because he taught as one who had authority. And so we see this authority to teach. Then a man with leprosy comes before him and, and Jesus touches him and he cleanses him. And so we see authority to cleanse. In chapter 2, a man with broken limbs is brought to Jesus. And even though Jesus has the power to heal the man physically, he goes much further than that. He forgives the man's sins. And so we see authority to forgive. He then hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because he, he came for the needy. Jesus came for the broken. And so we see kingly compassion in the heart of Jesus. Then on the Sabbath, he restores the life of a crippled man. So we don't just see compassion for sinners, but we see compassion for the broken in our society. In chapter 3, he takes ordinary men. He takes his disciples and he sends them out as messengers who change the shape of history. And so we see Jesus commissions others to usher in God's kingdom too. He then says to his followers that, that actually they are his true family. A family who live in the ways of heaven while on earth. And so Jesus births this new, incredible, loving family with this heavenly ethic. In chapter 4, he teaches about the kingdom of God in, in ordinary ways. In ways that you, know, you and I can understand. And so we see the, the kingdom teaching of Jesus. Later in chapter 4, he had such peace that he can sleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. But also such power that he can wake up and calm it. And so we see authority over nature. In chapter 5, he delivers this man overcome by darkness and evil. And he sends him out as a messenger of the light. And so we see authority over evil and over demons. Later, Jesus is moved by the faith of an undeserving people. And so he heals this, this lady who's been sick for 12 years. And he, and he raises this young girl who's died. He raises her back to life. And so we see Jesus doesn't only have authority over sickness, but he's got authority over death itself. In chapter 6, he's rejected in his hometown. And, and he's also troubles the, the, king's nation, the, the nation's king and, and their conscience and so we see he's rejected by the familiar but also by the proud and the lofty we see Jesus feeds the 5,000 the 5, and we see he provides abundantly for his people in chapter 7 he, he teaches us that in a world fixated on skin deep religion evil is not just something we can wash from our hands it's something that we have to heal In our hearts. And so we see this kingly insight into our deepest human need. And then with kingly authority, Jesus breaks all the religious rules of the day and he he heals this person, this child of an outsider, this non Jew. And so we see Jesus bringing his kingdom not just to the Jews, but to the entire world. And then chapter 8, last week, we saw once again, Jesus feeds the thousands. And so he provides abundantly for his people. And not only that, but he warns his disciples against the the religious spirit of the Pharisees. And so we see both a powerful king, but we also see a discerning king. And after all this, after the disciples have seen all of this, Jesus looks to his disciples in verse 17 and says this to them. He says, can you still not see? So it's amazing that no matter how much the people saw and heard, no one identified that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Much like today, everyone has opinions and perspectives and even views. Yet their spiritual blindness prevailed. And so up to this point in the story, up to our passage that we read earlier, no one has identified who Jesus is. But then the story takes An interesting turn. And we read the first of our two mini stories. Pick up in Mark uh, chapter 8, verse 23. It says, um, These friends bring this blind man to Jesus and says, He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they kind of look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and then his eyes were opened. And his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. So Jesus touches this man. But the the first time, it's kind of a little bit blurry. There's some shape, but it's not 100% clear. So Jesus touches him a second time. And suddenly, in a moment, the man can see clearly. The touch of Jesus has restored the man's sight. And I mean, you can imagine this guy. Walking home. Probably didn't even walk home. He probably ran home because it, who knows when last he was able to run. And he probably got distracted along the way too. Seeing things he had never seen before. But it is worth acknowledging that this is a very strange miracle. I don't know if you picked it up. It's strange because it took place over two stages. And in fact, it's the only two-stage miracle recorded in the Gospels of uh, Matthew and Luke. <clears throat> They actually leave it out because they probably think it's going to make Jesus look a little bit bad. It's kind of like, Eesh, did he lose his power? What happened? Did he lose his mojo? But the question is, why didn't it work the first time? Why, why did Jesus have to touch this guy for a second time for him to be fully healed? And no, the answer is not Jesus lost his mojo. The, the answer is actually that, that Jesus was showing his disciples a parable. When you read through the Gospels, you'll notice Jesus teaches his disciples in parables. But this time, he actually shows them one of these parables. And it's a parable concerning their own spiritual blindness. Remember, this whole narrative is about seeing Jesus for who he is. Jesus asked the blind man in verse 23, Can you not see? And six verses before that, in verse 17, Jesus asks, asks his disciples, do you still not see? And then in verse 21, he asks his disciples again, do you still not understand or perceive? See, the story of this blind man being given clear sight is actually also about Jesus giving his disciples clear spiritual sight. The disciples are like the half-healed blind man. They've seen Jesus' greatness. They've seen what he can do. They've heard his teachings and seen his miracles, but they just haven't grasped yet who he is. They just haven't been hit with the fact that they are standing in the midst of the promised Messiah, the very Son of God. Their vision is still blurry, and what they need is a second touch from Jesus. What they need is Jesus to open their eyes to see him for who he is, to see him as Messiah. And maybe some of us here need the same. Some of us have been attending church for years. We know the Bible stories and we know the worship songs. And we've got our Christian friends. But our following of Jesus sometimes looks more like going to the gym to swipe our card so we can get our vitality points and never actually using the equipment to change and shape us. We don't meet with Jesus. Instead, we just swipe our card. For some of us, Jesus is more our religious leader than he is our friend. For some of us, Jesus is more our rule giver than he is our forgiver. For some of us, Jesus is more distant than he is close. And if you resonate with any of this in your following of Jesus, the good news is that Jesus has more for you. Jesus has more than just a swipe in your card, Christianity, and he wants to give you a second touch. He wants to open your eyes, even this evening. He wants to open your eyes to see him in ways you've never seen him before. He wants to open your eyes to see him more clearly as Messiah, as Savior, as Son of God, as friend. For others of us, maybe, maybe we've kind of recently lost sight of who Jesus is. Maybe it's busyness, end of the year busyness, or, or maybe it's sin, you know, doing something that you know Jesus has asked you not to do, or, or maybe it's even hardships like I was speaking about earlier and praying for. Maybe these things have caused your vision just to go a little bit blurry, You know the joy and the peace and the life that comes from following Jesus, but the windscreen that was once clear has fogged up and you can't see the sun anymore. And to be honest with you, I resonate with this personally. This whole USA journey has recently blurred my vision of Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, as I mentioned, a big door closed for us. This this getting into the USA with our visas and the complications, up until Tuesday this week, we weren't going to America. And a few weeks ago, when all this went down, I, I just found myself overcome, just overcome with all the uncertainties and, and the hopelessness and the disappointments, disappointment of the disappointment. The frustration just kind of built up to the point where I spiritually resigned. I spiritually resign. And and if I'm honest with you, the last few weeks haven't been particularly filled with prayer and Bible reading and spending quiet times with the Lord who said preachers were perfect. You can come talk to me. I'll tell you they're not. I'll show you my life. Because the truth is the last few weeks, I myself have lost sight of Jesus. My poor wife, you can talk to her about this. Maybe you can relate to this. Recently losing sight of who Jesus is for whatever reason. And today I want to trust that, that Jesus is going to give us a second touch. I want to trust that, that our spiritual windscreen, if that's you and you know who you are, that our spiritual windscreen would once more clear and that we would know the life and the joy and the peace that comes as we follow Jesus and see him clearly. Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him as Messiah. Okay, let's jump back to our story. Jesus has just given this this blind man physical sight, but he's just about to give his disciples spiritual sight. Now, I want to just give the disciples some credit here before I move on. Even though their vision was a little bit blurry... Up to this point, and they have not been able to identify who Jesus is, at least they have been actively following Jesus. If you notice, they've been pressing in chapter after chapter. They've been staying close to Jesus. And really, this is an important part of seeing Jesus clearly. Staying close to Jesus matters. Being authentically connected in a community or a life group, it matters. Reading your Bible regularly, it matters. Spiritual disciplines are a a key part of continuing to see Jesus clearly. But at the same time, the reality is that our, our own efforts can only get us so far. What the disciples need and what we need is a touch from Jesus. To see him in all his glory. To see him as Messiah. And so Jesus takes his disciples on a walk. In verse 27, we read, he says, Jesus and his disciples went on from there. They went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And, and on the way, Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And so they head off to Caesarea Philippi, which is about a 40-kilometer journey, so it's kind of like us going for a walk to Stellenbosch, not something we would do every day, um, And Jesus leads them by asking them two questions. The first one is, you know, who do people say I am? What's the word on the street? And the disciples start by kind of telling him, "Yeah, you know, people say you're John the Baptist. And, you know, it's not a bad guess. John the Baptist, he was Jesus' cousin, very similar age. And Jesus himself said he was a great guy the disciples also mentioned a guy named Elijah Elijah is a prophet from the Old Testament but he was kind of a a bit of a different prophet because he is one of the few prophets that actually did miracles and he also didn't die in a kind of normal way he was taken up into heaven and so a lot of the Jews of the time were kind of waiting for him to return so maybe Jesus was him and some of the other disciples mention one of the prophets and you know what all of these kind of identities they sound like compliments but they're actually quite the opposite because what's not being said about Jesus says more than what is being said about him the modern day version of this would would be to say Jesus he was a great moral teacher that's all he was or Jesus an amazing leader or a fantastic example to to build your life on the problem with these is that, is that all of them deny the real wonder and the uniqueness of what makes Jesus, Jesus. It's, it's a little bit like asking, who's Elon Musk? And I answer, oh yeah, he was a guy that was born in Gauteng. Even though it's true, the most important part of that person is lost. And so it's no compliment at all. And so in response, Jesus turns the question back to his disciples. He says, okay, but what about you? Verse 29, what about you? He asked, and and who do you say I am? And Peter answers, he says, you're the Messiah. And this is the moment for the disciples. This is the profound moment because this is the moment they see it. This is the moment they see it clearly. It's the moment that their blurry vision disappears and they see Jesus for who he really is. Jesus touches their spiritual eyes. And his identity is revealed. Messiah. Messiah, son of God, savior of the world. The disciples, they've had enough time collecting data. They've had enough time observing the life of Jesus. They've had enough time evaluating his teachings. Now it's time to make the call. It's time to take the risk. It's time to go all in. Jesus isn't John the Baptist He isn't Elijah, he isn't a prophet, he isn't just a great moral teacher, he isn't just the example of living a good life. Jesus is more than all of that. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Did you know Jesus is the Savior of your soul? Do you know that Jesus is the guy that rescued you from the prison of sin and death, even though you were guilty? (laughs) Do you know Jesus is the selfless sacrifice who showed his love for you and I by dying a death that you and I should have died? Do you know Jesus is the promised Messiah who reconciles man to God? Do you know Jesus is the guy that came to set his people free? He's the king who rules and holds all things together. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go and find the one that is lost. And the disciples finally get it they finally see it it's taken three years of being with jesus it's taken eight chapters of mark for them to get it but this is the whole point of mark's gospel to point who who jesus really is to point us to who really jesus is and so the question remains for you and i this evening who is jesus to you have you thought about that question, really? Who, who is Jesus to you? How, how clear is your view of Jesus? How clear is your view of the Son? Capital S. Have, has Jesus opened your eyes to see him as your Messiah? You see, seeing Jesus clearly will change your life forever. But at the same time, not seeing Jesus clearly can also sink our lives. I'm reminded of uh, the story of the Titanic. Do you know that one of the reasons why the Titanic sank, you won't believe this, but one of the reasons why the Titanic sank is that they didn't have binoculars on board. After an investigation into the sinking, it came out that the second officer was transferred off the ship before its maiden voyage. And he forgot to give the keys to the next second officer to open the safe that had the binoculars. And at a later inquiry, One of the lookouts on the Titanic said that if we had had binoculars, it would have helped us to spot the iceberg and dodge it in time. If the lookouts could have seen clearly, it would have changed the future of the Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio wouldn't have died, guys. (laughs) No more freezing on a door. But but really, when we see Jesus clearly, it can change our future. But the opposite is also true. When we don't see Jesus for who he is, when our vision is blurry, we can miss it. We, we can miss him. We can miss out on everything he has for us, and we can miss out on everything he's done for us. And so the question is, how do you know if your vision is blurry? How do you know if, you, if you're not seeing Jesus clearly? I want to put it to you, just three symptoms. There's many more, but, but yes, three common symptoms to look out for. I've not seen Jesus clearly. The first one is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Are you feeling like you can't come back to God because of your sin? Do you you feel like you always remember your sin and all the reasons why you're unworthy? Well, we find clarity in Romans chapter 1 verses 8. This is what Paul says on the matter. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. That's it. Seeing Jesus clearly means that we live in the freedom of his forgiveness and love. In the freedom of his grace. There is no more condemnation. There is no guilt and there is no shame. Another symptom might be feeling like you always have to earn God's love or approval. I don't know know if you can relate to that feeling. Sometimes it's even subtle. You feel like you've always got to do good things for God to care. Or to show that he loves you still. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, and he brings us clarity. He reminds us that it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Everyone say gift in your mask. One, two, three. Beautiful. You guys are choir, man. It's a gift of God. That's what he says. It's not by work so that no one can boast. Seeing Jesus clearly means knowing that you cannot earn God's love. You can't do anything more for God to love you more. It means knowing that you can stand underneath the waterfall of God's unconditional love every single day. Even if you don't deserve it. Because you don't. And I don't. What about worry? Worry. Worry as a symptom of not seeing Jesus clearly. Do you worry about your future? Maybe you worry about money. Maybe you worry about safety. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus brings clarity. He says this. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life, what will you, what you'll eat, or what you'll drink, or, or about your body, or even about what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? See, G- seeing Jesus clearly means knowing that he holds your life in the palm of your hand and there isn't a single moment of your life where he isn't in full control. And so worry becomes replaced with peace. Guilt and shame, earning God's love and approval, worry. Some of these are symptoms. These are symptoms of not seeing Jesus clearly. I'm going to come in for a landing. The reality is that that many people, both inside and outside the church, miss out on who Jesus is because of spiritual blindness. And I'm actually reminded of the words of Paul to the Corinthian church when he speaks about this reality. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that that some are spiritually blind. Some are going to miss Jesus for who he is. But at the same time, it is God himself who shines into our hearts so that we can know Jesus. It is God himself who shines into our hearts so that we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. In other words, seeing Jesus clearly is a work of God. The, the, the ultimate cure for spiritual blindness or spiritual blurriness is a touch from Jesus. And sometimes our spiritual eyes are like a windscreen that's fogged up. It's fogged up so bad that we can't even see the sun anymore. It's gone completely out of view. But it is the warmth of that sun that will come and demist our windscreen so that we can see the sun once more. And that is what Jesus does. This is the wonder of who Jesus is. Can I invite the band up? And can I invite us to stand Our journey through Mark has brought us to this point. And the point is this, that that Jesus wants you and I to see him clearly. Jesus wants you and I to see him for who he truly is. And I I really want to trust that this evening, God would do that right now, that he would do that for those here and for those online. And so I want to land by praying for three groups of people before we go into a time of response. The first Group of people is those of you that for the first time today, you're seeing it. It's clear. It never was clear. You didn't really know a lot about Jesus or you maybe had some other ideas. But today it's become clear and you know in your heart that, that Jesus is calling you to follow him. The second group of people is, is those of you that have lost sight of Jesus a while ago. And it kind of feels like you're swiping your card at church. And it even feels possibly like your life is sinking a bit, and you know what you need. You you know you you need your blurry vision to become clear again. And the third group of people is, is those of us that just need to see this truth freshly again this evening. It's become so numb. It's become so common. Jesus as Messiah, the one who saves. We we don't know the fullness of what that means anymore. And we need our eyes open. We We need to be in awe and wonder once more. And the truth is for all three of those groups of people, once again, it is only Jesus that can do it. It's not my words. It's not a great sermon. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus that can do it. So can I invite you to close your eyes? I'm going to ask the band just to play in the background. And just keep your eyes closed and Firstly, for that first group of people, you know who you are. Maybe you're at home or you're here. You you know that Jesus is calling your name tonight. You feel it in your heart. And you want to cross the line of faith. And if that's you, can I ask you right now, everyone's got their eyes closed, but could you just pop your hand up so that we can see if that's you? It's It's a way of saying, Jesus, that's me. I'm reaching out tonight. Awesome. I see that hand. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. Jesus, that's me. I'm reaching out. Awesome, great, I see that hand. Anyone else? You know it's you. Your heart is, is beating. You can feel God calling you. If you put your hand up, or if you're online and, and you put your hand up in your house or in your lounge, can, can I ask you, invite you, just pray this prayer after me. Very simple prayer. Jesus, thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've shown me who you really are. And today I'm coming into your family. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning from my old way of life. And I'm joining your family. And I'm following your ways. Come and fill my heart right now, Jesus. For those in the second group, it feels like church has just become a swipe the card reality feels like your life is maybe sinking you saw Jesus a while ago but to be honest it was a long time and he's very blurry right now and you want to see him clearly you know who you are if that's you could I ask you put your hand up right now and just reach out to Jesus if that's you just it's great I see that hand just put awesome I see lots of hands going up great if that's you even if you didn't raise your hand pray this prayer after me let's Let's ask God to to show you who he is. Jesus, right now, you can repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I come before you right now. And I want to see you clearly again. My following of you has been distant. It feels like I don't know you anymore. It feels like my life is sinking. I want to see you clearly. I want to recommit my life to you. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. I want to know the love in your eyes. Come and fill me right now, Jesus. For the f- third group of people, those that, that just need to see this truth freshly this evening, you, you haven't been in awe and wonder of Jesus in a long time. You just it just feels mundane and numb and if that's you, I could ask you to raise your hand if you want to see Jesus freshly this evening, just pop your hand up right now and reach out to him, reach out. great, I see hands going up. awesome, great, I see hands. Just pray this prayer off to me. Jesus, show me who you are again. Jesus make my vision clear. Fill me with awe and wonder right now as I stand here. Fill my heart with your love once more. I want to know you in fresh ways, Jesus. I want my bones to come alive. I want a fresh experience of your love. Come and open my eyes right now. Father, we pray. I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you for the potential in this room. I thank you that these are your children. We are your children. As we sing in response, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Come and fill us afresh every single person in this room, even those of us that are on the outskirts, those of us that are not necessarily even feeling it. Holy Spirit, come and grab our attention. Come and bring clarity to our sight. Come and make the dry bones and bring life back into them. Jesus, we pray, we welcome you in this place. We welcome you in our hearts. Let's sing together.